Hi, this is Gail with Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. And today, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite things to do, black water diving. Now, black water diving is not simply night diving. Blackwater diving is done at night, but it's not just a term you use for scuba diving at night. Blackwater diving is fantastic. It is incredible. Like, it is absolutely incredible. And to do blackwater diving, you have to go out on a boat at night and you have to go out far enough in the ocean to where it is deep below you. We're not talking 30 feet. We're not talking 100 feet. I mean, we are talking like 4,000 feet deep below you. And what you do is you've got your scuba gear on, you jump off the boat at night, you descend down to 30, 40, 50, 60 feet, and you hover, you hang out. And you breathe slowly. You let your eyes just start to adjust to the black water. And you take your light and you start to paint the darkness with your light. And then you start to see these amazing creatures. These siphonophores, tenophores, these larvae fish, uh, larvae eels. You see... A little miniature pelagic octopus. What you're looking at are these pelagic creatures. Pelagic meaning like uh, these are creatures not living on the reef. And many of these creatures live at these deep, deep, deep depths. But every single day, every 24 hours, is the largest migration of biomass in the world called uh, the diurnal vertical migration. And I hope people aren't cringing when I say that. And it's, it's called like the deal or the diurnal vertical migration. And these creatures rise up from the depths and is theorized for, for food or, but we don't exactly know why they come up from the depths and these creatures come up from the depths and then they go back down And this dive is also done at night because many of them are transparent or translucent. And then you can see them when you shine your light on these creatures with the black backdrop. And what's fascinating is that these creatures are are animals that you've never seen before or that you've probably never seen before. Uh, You might be seeing these beautiful like Venus girdle or these little salps are in the water or or you might be really lucky and see a larvae cusk eel, which I actually got to see on uh, one of my last blackwater dives. Incredible. And many times when you're looking at these creatures, you start to see kind of like a rainbow effect. And, and this is these little rainbow colors are mostly due to like a prismatic effect as you're shining your light on the creatures. And gosh, it is incredible. It is mind-blowing. 
And it's one of those places where you can get away in the deep, dark, black ocean for an hour while you're just drifting under the boat, usually tied to the boat via a tether. And it's like you're in outer space, yet you're in the ocean. And gosh, it's just that feeling of just being there, essentially by yourself, but you're not. There's other divers in the water, but there's not many. And you're experiencing these creatures that we still don't know a ton about. Well, there's some biologists out there who know a lot more than I do, but there there aren't even like really good books on these pelagic creatures that you're seeing. And they're still discovering new creatures out there all the time. And if you want to do this dive, uh, this dive is happening weekly out of Kona, Hawaii. And it's also being done in a few other places around the world. But Kona, Hawaii is a great place to go for this. And I highly suggest going with Kona Honu Divers. Kona Honu divers.com and and booking your blackwater dive with them now the blackwater dive is a dive that goes out a few nights after the manta ray night dive and if you don't know about the manta ray night dive it's actually one of the top 10 best dives in the world um, which is right off of Kona. It's incredible. That is a night dive. It's very well lit up and you're sitting on the bottom and watching these beautiful manta rays dance above your head. And if you want to hear more about that, go back and listen to episode one of Experiences You Should Have podcast. Go back, listen to it. It's amazing. Now, if you're not a diver, the manta ray night dive, that's something that you can do um, as a snorkeler as you can float above the water and watch the manta rays uh, do like backflips under you. But this episode is about blackwater diving. And I talked to a good diving friend of mine, Jeff Millison. He is super smart. He's a biologist. Um, I met him on one of the, the blackwater dives. And it's just amazing to come up from these dives and learn about the creatures that you were just looking at. It's absolutely fantastic. Jeff is one of the the smartest people uh, to talk about this dive. So we got him here for the show. And and he's also going to be sharing some photos from his blackboard diving. He's a fantastic photographer. And if you want to check out some of these photos, go to iPhotograph.fish. Or also follow Jeff Millison on Instagram. I promise every day you will just be astounded by what him and his partner Sarah find out in the ocean. It is totally awesome. And gosh, I, I just want to go to Kona every time I see these photos. Okay, enough about me. Let's get on to the interview with Jeff about black water diving. about blackwater diving blackwater diving is kind of a specialty scuba dive where um you know once you've once you've dived reefs and wrecks and uh caves and things like that at some point you're you're 
you kind of realize you're only exploring the near shore, maybe one or three percent of the ocean. It's really a small slice because you're you're always stuck with this bottom, this this benthic area that has corals or plants or that's where a lot of fish reside. Um, that's that's where you notice the reefs or the you know that's where the wrecks sit. Anyway, so um, blackwater diving is for those that want to explore the other ninety. Eight percent of the ocean, the the wild beyond. This is uh, you go. The idea is we go way way offshore. We're talking like uh, on an average night we're going like three to five miles, something like that. And we we just point the boat straight out. We travel at night and then you jump in. And in Hawaii that puts you drifting over five thousand feet of water. Now to put that in some perspective. 5,000 feet, uh, let's see, 6,000 feet, I figure, is about a mile and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you don't see the bottom. You don't see anything. The only things you see are these really alien-looking animals that just kind of come out of the blackness. So uh, we're talking about... <laughs> just... I love them. I love this dive. Okay, keep on going. <laughs> They're just so weird. Like, you get... So you get... Um... The I, I like to separate in terms of like three different groups. You got the Nuston, and these are animals that live right underneath the surface. Then you've got the epipelagic plankton, and these are animals that just don't really they can't move a lot on their own. And there's a huge bunch of animals that just can't they can't really swim against the current at all. Like they just kind of sit there and they can move a little bit in their own space, but that's about it. Uh, so these are these are most of these are animals that can are perfectly clear. Mm -hmm. So they look like these moving, swimming, mm -hmm. hypnotic crystals that just drift. Uh, so you can see their, their lobes move or their, their, uh, they tend to refract different colors in your lights. And then underneath those, you get this layer of animals that you can call mesopelagic vertical migrators. And these are animals that uh, launch off on the most magnificent migration every night. And it's, it's more animals than you have any concept of. Uh, we're talking billions of animals that start thousands of feet underwater, and they swim straight at the surface every night in search of food. So they're going to be feeding off of all of those plankton that we were just talking about. And then by the time the night ends, right, right around sunrise, all of those animals sink back down into the inky depths, and there their day continues. There, um, it's Blackwater diving is looking at all of that and watching this blending of animals and the interactions that they have. And what you end up getting are a lot of um, predators looking for something to eat, or you get a lot of uh, prey that'll that'll actually use the divers to hide from some of the predators that are out there in the black or you'll you, just the animals themselves to take a snapshot, a portrait of a lot of this stuff is uh, so it's just so foreign and so strange uh, that just about every image that you can imagine, just a snap of these things uh, ends up in an article somewhere. Cause it's just so they're just so weird. How's that? I love that. I absolutely <laughs> love that. Well, Blackwater diving is my personal favorite type of diving. And, but I want to paint the picture for our listeners. Uh, sure. You, you're, you're scuba diving, you're jumping off the boat. And every time I've done it, I've been attached to a line. Would you say that 
most boats have have tethers going down. So, yeah, all, all the all the boats in Kona have these tethers that the guests attach to, and there are other places that they don't use the tether system. Um, and I think when you're dealing with as much water as we are, thousands of feet of water, you know, the, the when you start talking about the open ocean, you start talking about these proportions that are uh, very difficult to wrap your head around. Uh, thousands of feet of water, miles offshore, and you can uh, you can travel in a straight line from Hawaii to wherever, pick a direction, and you can you can just sail for a week or so and not not see anything more than a bird or two. So um, that. There's just vast areas of space out there, and so when you're when you're standing on the back of the boat, and either the captain or myself are clipping you in, and we hand you this this dinky little light, and you're looking off into the black, you see this 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 calculations going through the di- uh, the customers' heads of what the hell am I doing with myself here? Why? Why why aren't I in a bar somewhere getting drunk or why why aren't I at home with my loved ones? This is this is insane what I'm doing. Um, and, and so they you know they're standing on the back just uh, wondering this stuff. And sometimes they take a little bit of encouragement. But just like many things in life, sometimes you just have to step off the back and get underwater before you start to see the zen of the situation. The real it's much more peaceful than than the, the sea monsters that are swimming through your head. You know, they, you don't. The monsters that you actually see tend to be very, very small. Every once in a while, we see something like a dolphin or a, um, a tuna or a swordfish or something. But usually, the things are uh, maybe an inch or what is that? Two centimeters for you European listeners. Um, very, very small animals that just kind of drift by, and they're just the wildest shape. So once you start realizing that, then all, all your fears just kind of melt away, and you turn around and you look around at your at the other divers that are all they look so confident. Everybody looks confident in their scuba gear at first glance, but you have to kind of realize that those same imaginary monsters are are swimming through everybody's head down there. So they're all they're all experiencing the same fear of the unknown and, and and part of the fun of this dive is to wash that away and plunge them into the ocean now suddenly they're all, all those sea monsters have been replaced with this utter sheer curiosity of what the hell am i looking at here that's great that's absolutely a great description so what are the size of of the creatures that you're looking at when you do this blackwater dive and and how do you find them Ooh, uh so the vast majority of animals that we see out there are maybe the size of an eraser or something. They're tiny little animals. Most of it's plankton and little things. And then sometimes you get something that's about the size of a cantaloupe called a tina four that'll drift through. Or sometimes you'll you'll have this uh, probably a six-inch long siphonophore do a spiral in front of you. And then every once in a while you get an animal kind of off in the distance called a... Uh, it's a physonect cyclonophore. These these can get very very large, up to 40 feet or even bigger. Um, and when you look at them and you shine your lights on them and you disturb them in any way, this 40 foot long creature is going to shrink down to maybe three feet long or so, and then it'll just kind of swim off calmly as if as if nothing's bugging it. Um, so we, we get we get a whole range of animals and um, like I said the vast majority are very very small but we do get 
um, sizable dolphins that'll come in and hunt the squid. Uh, I, I've had squid that are, what is that, about two feet long, maybe a little bit bigger than that, come in and actually use me to hide from the dolphins that were hunting them. Uh, so that they'll just kind wow. of sit there and just wait for the dolphins to go away. But they don't go away. They, so I remember one dive, I had this one, this huge, the biggest squid I've ever seen, um, sitting there while the dolphins were just pacing back and forth behind it. And I, I mean, I just kind of felt bad for this thing because here are these dolphins that are just, they're not happy flipper dolphins. These are, these are predators and they're in full on predator mode. And this squid at some point, probably about 10 minutes after the encounter started, just slowly and very solemnly swam off into the blackness. Like it had realized, Hey, I can't, I can't stay next to this thing forever. I, I need to, he's going to leave me at some point. I, I need to go and face the music here. And he just disappeared off into the blackness. And I like to think that he, he made it. Uh, I don't, I don't think so though. <laughs> Realistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there was a giant cloud of ink. So maybe, maybe he fooled the dolphins. May, hey, you never know. You, you never, never know. He could have. As far as how you look for these things, I always tell people look as small as you can. Because the smaller you're looking, um, the more animals you're going to look at. And a lot, most of the most of the stuff in the water, and there's a lot of stuff, and you can call it marine snow, but that marine snow was alive at some point. And so part of your job as the diver is to determine how how were you alive and, and go through that thought process. But So the smaller you look, if something bigger like a dolphin or something swims by, you're going to see it. You're going to notice it because it's a lot more obvious. But if you're expecting, you know, tunas and sharks and things to be flying at you out of the blackness and you're constantly looking for that stuff, you're going to miss all of the really cool small stuff that actually makes the dive worth it. So what's the coolest thing that you have seen on this dive? Can it be one or can it be a few? Hey, give me a few. Great. Let's go with a few. I, uh, I saw an octopus sitting on the head of a seahorse once. Whoa. Saw, okay, now how big was the octopus and how big was the seahorse? The octopus was a paralarval sea, uh, octopus that was probably a centimeter long, something like that, which, which would have made the seahorse. And here in Hawaii, we have a, a pelagic species of seahorse, a seahorse that never actually is known to come back to shore. So they just spend their lives drifting around the open sea. Uh, they're, they're, they don't attach to anything. They just, they just kind of do that. I, I don't know how they expect to survive out there since the seahorse's main defense is camouflage and they, they literally don't have anything to camouflage against, but that's the life of the pelagic seahorse. So, and the one that we were looking at, or that I was looking at was probably three or four inches long. So here's, here's this tiny little octopus sitting on the head of a tiny little seahorse. Um, and that was really cool. Uh, I saw, I've seen a number of different fish that have never been seen alive before. Um, of note of those would have been the Lampergramus. Um, that was really, really cool. Of course, that was one of the, as soon as I saw it, I knew it was really special. Lampergramus is a species of deep water cuskiel. Uh, it's this, this big brown nondescript fish that just kind of lives way down where looks don't really matter anymore. It's so black down there. So, um, their babies are these really intricate things that just have 
fin spines coming out all over the place and this this really elaborate mohawk headdress thing and they have an external stomach that hangs way way down beneath their gut and even off of the external stomach it has all these filaments and and wildly colored things sticking off of it so the whole effect is you look at this thing and you think you're there's no way in hell you're a fish you're just you're just well, I don't know what you are, but you, you can't possibly be be edible, and that's that's the idea. Um, so I saw that one day. I saw the only Lophiotes fimbriatus uh, that's ever been seen in Hawaii. Lophiotes fimbriatus is a uh, it's a deep water anglerfish. Wow! Wait, wait, a deep water anglerfish. You saw one of these. So the only places that it's been seen were that I that I know of were Japan. And a couple of them were found in Indonesia somewhere. And then I saw the only one that was in Hawaii, but it's this, it's in the family, uh, Lofididae. And it, uh, it's Lofididae, Lofioidae. Anyway, let's erase that. Let's pretend like I'm smart enough to remember my families here. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's a, it's related to goosefish and it's got a, it's got a little lure that comes off of its head. But the really wild thing about this animal is that it's covered in, filamentous hair-like stuff it's not actually technically hair with follicles and whatnot it's just long uh they're basically like skin tags that just elongate themselves off of this animal so the whole effect is the animal the this fish looks like a lion's mane jellyfish so it's trying to mimic those that's how it gets by in life and so it's just this really funny little thing uh then i remember i think my girlfriend sarah found that yeah so and the final the final really cool um, encounter that I had down there was with a I remember I, I was running late for the dive uh, I was on my way and the boat was leaving and I was already late I just bought this truck with cash it was an old truck it was out of safety it was out of registration but I wanted to take it to the to the harbor anyway just to see how it ran and I got pulled over for having out of out of oh. date registration and safety check always happens it was it was stupid it, it was my own fault I, I i admit it but it didn't make for a very nice night and i was already running late and then i got pulled over and then i got to the boat and i i jumped in the water on the blackwater dive and as soon as i hit the water i looked down and i noticed that i still had my wide angle lens on from shooting big animals early on in the day i think it was shooting sharks or something um so there's really nothing to shoot on a blackwater dive with a wide-angle lens because nothing comes in that big that close. So I'll, I'll, my night had already been ruined up until that point, and that was just the nail in the coffin that said, just can't do anything productive today. And then that was the night that we had a swordfish swim by, and it didn't just fly. This was about a five-foot-long swordfish or so. It, it came, it got within maybe two feet of me or so, just kind of swimming through. And I lifted, I lifted this stupid wide-angle lens up, and I took exactly two shots that night. And one, one was from the top of this swordfish, and the other was from the side. And then it just bolted off into the night. Um, so my my editing process the next day was rather truncated. It was nice and easy to take care of two photos of a swordfish that. Why? Yeah. <laughs> the only other time I, I've seen two other swordfish. One of them was a, I've seen a few larvae. I'm sorry, and then I saw a um, saw a really big one one night. It was not as calm as the one that swam next to me. Uh, this one we only saw it in the distance, and every time you shined your light at it, it would just flip out and start waving its sword around really violently. 
And of course, these things are all very, very, very fast, uh, much, much faster than you could ever hope to be as a, as a diver. Um, so, I mean, it just kind of, it didn't get anywhere close to the maybe 30 feet away from us, but that was close enough that we were, we all just realized that we were, there was nothing we could do. This thing was just going to do whatever it did and whatever direction it picked. It was, we all felt a little bit nervous around this thing. And by a little bit nervous, I mean, my GoPro video showed no fish. It showed no, nothing. It was just blackness. And then you hear me yelling through my regulator going, what the is that thing? (laughs) (laughs) That's, uh, that's that's the caliber of we have no idea what we're looking at out there. You just you can never you can never you can never say tonight we're going to go out and find a blue shark or tonight we're going to go out and we're going to look at some larval fish or tonight we're going to go out and find some cephalopods. Every single night is a new experience for everyone involved, including myself. That's that's fantastic. So how many blackwater dives do you have? Uh, somewhere in the vicinity of 250, something like that. So very cool. Uh, how often are you doing these blackwater dives? I've got so every every week lead one blackwater dive for Konohonu divers on Friday nights, and then I usually end up picking up uh, an empty seat on another boat too whenever I get a chance. So usually my buddies will go out and they'll they'll say, Hey Jeff, you want to come along or whatever. Uh, so every week I'll end up doing between two and three blackwaters, something like that. That's the life. That is the life. It's taken a while to get to this point. I remember I did my first one in 2009, and I was living on Oahu at the time. And uh, on my first one, I saw a cookie cutter shark. That's kind oh, of wait, a... hold on. Your first blackwater dive, you saw a cookie cutter shark? True. It was. Um, <laughs> I was diving with a, a very good friend of mine. And his mom. And I, so we, I had been diving all day long, and then I, they said, hey, Jeff, we're going to take you on this, this blackwater dive because you're just going to just go nuts over it. And so we were down there. I was still a fairly fresh diver at the time, fairly fresh, relatively fresh. And I, uh, we were down there for a while, and then suddenly I heard banging on a tank, and the dive master made the motion to put the hand to the forehead, say shark, and pointed at this tiny little fish that was swimming away from us. And I said, Huh, that didn't look like a shark at all. Um, and then I looked, and it, sure enough, it was it was a little little pygmy shark of some sort. I, I wasn't entirely sure at the time what it was. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a couple minutes later, I watched as this same shark was bolting. So the cookie cutter shark, its lot in life is it's this tiny little thing that swims up to large animals like sharks and tuna and uh they've bitten submarines anyway they they swim up and they they suction cup on and then they their mouths are shaped like an ice cream scoop so they take a golf ball sized chunk of flesh out of these larger animals and then they swim off with it i've seen uh great whites with cookie cutter bites in them before in guadalupe Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, the, the, I mean, tuna are just packed with them, and, and the dolphins around here are just packed with them, too. They're gnarly little wounds that these things leave. So anyway, uh, there I was on my first blackwater dive, and I'm watching a cookie-cutter shark fly out of the darkness at my really good friend's back, who was mm. – friend was looking at a tinafore or a siphonophore or something. So I'm watching this, this cookie-cutter shark fly at my friend's back. I was like, how do I get this guy's attention – to let him know, like, I'm, I'm thinking, do I bang on my tank? No, that's, he's just not going to know where to go. Anyway, so I looked up at his mom to see how she was, how she was reacting. And she just was, she was buried behind her camera watching this cookie cutter shark 
make a make an attack approach on her own son because <laughs> she huh. want to miss a thing of it. Huh. So anyway, that what ended up happening was the shark approached my friend, stopped maybe a foot or two away from his back, swam between him and the tinafore that he was looking at, and surprised him. He, he, like, visibly jumped back and then swam with us for another minute or so before continuing on with his life. Um, so that was my first one. And then I, came, I went back to Oahu with that experience, and I, I said, you know, I, I kind of want to start replicating this around here. So I, I went on a number of failed experiments all around Oahu trying to trying to replicate the blackwater dive experience in a fairly somewhat safe manner. And it, it went all the way, all of the scale went from you know, some nights were kind of successful, some nights I was just doing a night dive on a reef, and some nights I, I, I was, uh, I remember one night we went out, and the wind just kind of carried the boat across the surface of the ocean and just dragged my friend and I behind it, like water skiing. And we covered like something like two miles in 20 minutes. Um, so, you know, that we saw everything on a black, that you want to see on a blackwater dive on that dive, but we, we just had no time with it because it was just flying by like that, that scene in Star Wars where Han Solo jumps to hyperspace. <laughs> um, so anyway, these failed attempts and eventually we kind of got it right. And I started working with uh, another dive company and we, we started figuring out how to do a Manawahu and we, we sort of got it. Uh, but not quite. And then I had to move to the Big Island. And when I came to the Big Island, I started working with people that, well, they already had it figured out and they, they already knew what they were doing. So I just kind of longed off of what they were doing and carried the torch a little bit further. So. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for all your help in, in making this a true adventure for people to experience. You're welcome. Yeah. Coming out with us. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. So where else in the world can you go blackwater diving? There are a lot of people out there that are doing blackwater dives, but there's a caveat to that. Yeah. Um, there are some people out there that are uh, just doing a night reef dive, and because it's at night, they're calling it a blackwater dive. Um, oh. Some people that are setting a light on the bottom, and that's not really a blackwater dive. Um, then there are some people that are that are going out over relatively shallow water but some of those are seeing some really cool stuff so anyway um there's some people in florida they're doing there's some people in there's a huge movement in the philippines uh that they're they keep trying to to get those going and they, that seems to be gaining some traction um there's some guys in palau i i know a couple of guys in the in uh, french polynesia and in New Zealand that are just kind of doing it from their own boat for fun. There's a guy out of Japan that's trying it. I think I mentioned Florida already. So there's a lot of people out there that are, that are trying these things. Oh, Roatan's another one. And with uh, varying amounts of success, all these guys are seeing something a little different, and that's the real, that's the real draw for them. Um, but for me, the real – in order to label it a blackwater dive, you really do have to be drifting over – a fat lot of nothing out there. And it, it, the smaller you feel, uh, the more of a blackwater experience it is. Mm-hmm. So is there a best time of year to experience this? So the best time of year to go on a blackwater dive is probably, I, I really enjoy them mostly in the, in the mid to late spring. 
And then late fall, we seem to get uh, my favorite things to shoot out there. And my favorite things to see are always these really exotic uh, larval fishes. They're, they're just fascinating. There's so many species of deep water fishes that we run into uh, from marlin and tuna to these cusk eels to uh, we see things called tripod fish and everything. Um, we get a couple of waves of those. One of those is in that mid to late spring. And one of those is in the late fall. But last year and the year before, I noticed that the winter time seems to hold this kind of special sort of messed up type of blackwater dive. And I'm not saying that they're common, but we tend to see a lot more of the a lot more of those imaginary sea monsters come to life in the winter time. At least from my experience, that's when we get dolphins hunting the big squid commonly. That's when we get. That's when the cookie cutter sharks tend to show up. That's when uh, I've seen more blue sharks. Last year in February, I saw a mako shark came up to us. Wait, you saw a mako shark on Blackwater Dive? That was so. Uh, for your listeners that aren't familiar, uh, my friend uh, described him best as being a, a white shark on meth. There, <laughs> uh, this miniature little apex predator that they're just. They're the fastest shark in the ocean, and they're just hyper-aggressive. Uh, and this thing came in, and uh, I, I remember as soon as I saw it, and as soon as I recognized what it was, uh, I, I looked out, or I banged on my tank, and I thumbed the dive. That means that we're getting out of the water. This is no longer a safe situation for us. And by the time the first diver broke the surface, and the first diver hit the water, hit the surface of the water, the shark had already done four laps around us, and bolted off into the wow. off into the black. I mean, this was. I remember watching this thing just kind of circle us, and I, I tried to kind of put myself as best as I could between it and the divers. But of course, when you're dealing with an animal that's that fast and that powerful, I I had absolutely no. It, it went from being your average blackwater dive to just being a, a just do the best you can to to make yourself seem like not prey. Uh, and so I, I took, I remember I took my light and I started shining it in its eyes, hoping to just kind of spook it off. And every time I did, it, it performed this really messed up looking twitch. And it just kind of, you just see it twitch really quick. Like it obviously didn't like it, but it really, it didn't, it wasn't a comforting situation at all. But yes, I saw a Mako underwater. Okay, cool. Yeah, wintertime, wintertime it seems to be, at least for me, and I, I, I don't think I'm the only one. Um, wintertime seems to be the time of year when we start seeing really weird, weird stuff like that. Now, what about skills needed? What type of skills as a diver do you need before you go on a blackwater dive? And, and how many dives do you suggest before going out for these dives? Before taking anybody out on a blackwater, I, I like to see that they have at least about 50 dives, something like that. Somewhere in there. So you need to be comfortable. Uh, you need to be pretty comfortable on a reef, um, comfortable enough that you can suddenly take away that reef and the world is going to be unusual. It's going to be unfamiliar and very strange, but um, not to the point where you're incredibly nervous. You need to have really good dive skills. It helps to have nerves of steel. You know, you need to be able to kind of calm yourself down and realize I'm okay. It's okay out here. It's strange. It's, it's not, this is out of my comfort zone, but it's, uh, uh, try and avoid panicking as best as you can. Um, it helps to 
be sure and take your seasick pills because when you're out there rocking around on mm-hmm. a boat in the middle of the ocean with no frame of reference, uh, seasickness, I, I call it the demons, tend to creep up on you and, and take over. Um, and then a really good sense of buoyancy is probably the most important um, reason being if you're if you rely on bouncing off of the bottom uh, to maintain your buoyancy, um, then it's sad to say a lot of divers still do. Uh, then you're when you get out on black water, you're going to go down to the end of your tether and just be dragged through the water. And if, if nothing breaks, then great. But, uh, you know, we use some pretty thick lines, and, and the hardware we use is pretty sturdy. But all of that attaches to this cheap little D-ring on your BC that's probably been abused and maybe not washed properly, and maybe it has, but it's it's probably old. And if that D-ring on your BC just snaps, it could be made of plastic or it could be sewed on by somebody who is just having an off day. I've had more than a couple of D-rings snap off of my own gear. Uh, if that happens mm-hmm. and you're hanging from that over thousands of feet of water, you're just going to keep sinking and sinking and sinking until maybe somebody goes down and gets you or or not. So, yeah, really good buoyancy, fairly experienced diver, helps to be able to keep your nerves about you, uh, take your seasick pills. Those are the big ones. That's, that's good advice. Thank you. Thank you. And I was also going to ask if you're going to come out and, and do the blackwater dive, maybe do a, a manta ray night dive. What else should you go and see in Kona while you're there? So Kona is known worldwide for the for the manta ray night dives. That's a um, that's a an absolute must do. Uh, another thing that I really like doing, uh, and you can you can book this through Kona Hanu divers, or you can just go to Wild Hawaii Ocean Adventures. Basically, you need to you really should spend some time just out in blue water uh, looking for something else. Uh, there's there's a lot of animals. Um, Wild Hawaii Ocean Adventures will take you out and just scan the blue water looking for spotted dolphins or pilot whales or uh, false killer whales. I've seen whale sharks with them. I've seen sperm whales with them. Um, and then you get to go snorkeling with these things if the situation is amenable. So uh, they'll put you in with, with mahi-mahi or marlin or just whatever happens to be in the ocean on that particular day. They'll find it, and then they'll put you in the water with it. Um they're very good at what they do. Um, any blue water experience, it, there's a hit or miss uh, ratio there. So there, there, there's a little bit of a warning, but that there's the possibility of seeing nothing but open wide blue water that day. But you don't make a business on missing a lot of the time. So um, they, they're very good at, at finding something interesting to put you in the water with, whatever happens to be in town. So I, I highly recommend them. You absolutely must get out to see the lava at some point in your in your stay in Kona. Um, which you got off gas for a day, so you may as well just spend a day, go out snorkeling with these guys, and then take a trip over the mountain and spend a night with the lava. The the darker it is, the brighter the lava, and the prettier the whole scenario is. Highly recommended. Whether you walk or take a boat or take a helicopter, do it. Great advice. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to add about? Blackwater diving or, or Kona diving? Kona diving is all about particular experiences. We have coral reef here, and the coral reef is neat, but Hawaiian corals aren't what people come here for because most of our corals are hard corals. They look like green or brown rocks. We don't have much of a soft coral. What we have are things like 
where else do you get to swim with dolphins pretty regularly or uh, as many green sea turtles as we have around or uh, we get tiger sharks at the harbor or you can go offshore with these wild Hawaii guys and, and jump in with pilot whales. So if you come here and expect to just do a bunch of reef dives and be wowed, your your expectations are, are settled a little off. But if you come here um, with something of a plan and something of a, hey, I'm just going to let Hawaii hit me with all it's got, uh, well, the, you're in for a good time soon. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. It's my favorite place to go to. Well, truly, I mean, thank you for your time. And uh, and if other people want to see these photos that you're talking about, I'll have these photos in the show notes. But if people want to go and look at your prints or look at your photography, uh, what's the name of your site? iPhotograph.fish. iPhotograph.fish. That's right. Check out these photos by by Jeff Millison. I have a few up in my office here. They're my favorite photos. If you want some just really unique prints for your home, absolutely check out what Jeff is taking pictures of because it will blow your mind. I promise. (laughs) Thank you, Gail. (laughs) Yeah. Anytime. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. You made Christine sing for you. You don't want to hear me sing, do you? Oh, you can sing. What, what do you want to sing? Oh, man. What do I want to sing? Is a special song you sing on the boat going out uh, to water diving? No, but I can make something up. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I, sing. Uh, what do you got? Oh, I love blackwater diving, <laughs> and it's really fun. Go and see some alien life stuff, uh, and come out with me. There you go. Oh, no, there, that was great. Jingle. That was absolutely yeah. great. Uh, for those of you who want to hear Christine singing, <laughs> check out the Glowworm episode at the end. But uh, but Jeff, that was that was a great, that was a good try. <laughs> Thanks, Gail. <laughs> uh,